0: So Genesis 50, verse 15 through 21, it starts like this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you. Please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when he when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for I for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many peoples alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So on today what I want to provide into our booklet of the Steadfast series is simply Steadfast Affirmations. Amen. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you for today. We give you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Father God, this is your house. This is your territory. This is your land. We are your people. So, Father God, as you continue to do the inward work inside of our spirit, man, and inside of us, continue to show us any iniquity. Show us, Father God, any sin that we commit, whether we know it or not. Show us the things that will cause your face to turn away from us and give us the tools and strategies and the time and the ability to separate ourselves from those very things. Allow for us to begin to lose the taste and the desire to fulfill those things that are shameful in your eyesight. Father God, we do not receive a spirit of condemnation, but we do receive the spirit of conviction that comes from you because you chastise those that you love so they can be in right position with you. You said, Father God, to seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness and then everything else will be added unto us. So, Father God, we're seeking righteousness. We're seeking you. We're seeking the kingdom. We're seeking all that encompasses your, your personality, your precepts, your concepts, everything that links to you. Is, that's what we're seeking for. That's what we're pressing into. That's what we're looking looking for. And that is what we're trying to live through in the name of Jesus. So Father God, have your way on today. We bind up every and all attack, that the enemy will have the audacity to launch against your people and against you in the name of Jesus. We lift up a standard against him this day in the name of Jesus and declare and decree that he cannot sift any any more of us in the name of Jesus. Begin to silence the voices in our hands. That is none of you, Father God. We take authority, Father God, taking every thought captive under the obedience of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We stand, Father God, as being what you call for us to be which is gatekeepers for this city and for this area and for this territory so Father God we stand ten toes down against the wickedness and against the weapons of our warfare which are not carnal carnal We choose to fight the spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, which is your word, which is your spirit, having our angels backing us up in the name of Jesus. Not backing down because the pressure is getting too tight, but standing tall, knowing that greatness, which is you, will come out of us in the name of Jesus. Regardless of our age, regardless of our experience, you're looking for us to be obedient and to follow what you tell for us to do. So Father God, we stand. In your name, knowing that you are with us because your word said you never leave us, nor will you forsake us. So, Father God, have your way on today. I decrease so you increase in the name of Jesus. I pray that this word will be implanted into your people's heart and that, Father God, it will begin to turn over fruit necessary for others to feast upon the name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, can you give God some praise right now in the name of Jesus? So on last week, our very own Apostle Moody used the title pressing through the pressure to fulfill your purpose to cause for the children of God to do some self-examination and self-reflection on how we have been over the recent duration of time. The questions that were posed were the following. And I switched this so that we are able to take it to ourselves and apply it to ourselves. So questions like this. How am I governing myself in the eyes of the people and how is it affecting them? What am I building in my life? Is it for the Lord? What or who do I worship the most? Now, hopefully you took some time this past week to investigate and ask those questions of yourself and to seek God's counsel To be able to navigate through those questions. If you have not done so, I invite you to take a screenshot of those questions so that you can do that this week. I mean, a lot of us have tomorrow off. So tomorrow is a great day to spend time with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because I plan to spend time with the Lord as I'm grilling at my house in Jesus name. (laughs) Once again, so the point of the question or question that apostle posed to us, it is not for us to fall into condemnation ball up in a corner and stay in the reality that the question brings to us. The purpose of the question is to see the reality and to make the necessary adjustments to get back into full alignment with God. If the answer to the question is shown, um, sorry, if your answer to the question was that you're already there in full alignment, then we have to check to make sure that there's no gaps in the alignment. Like you do realize that you can be in alignment with someone, but there's still a gap that can be there. I mean, the Bible told us that the enemy is looking for to make a foothold. Right. So we can be in alignment with God, but there's still a gap where we can't be in touch with God. That's good. And at this point, what God is looking for and what we need to not settle for or we need to push for is to get to the place where we are so close to Jesus Christ that we can tell you what deodorant he is wearing on his armpit in the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to be so close to Jesus Christ to where we are trying not to trip him up because we are on his heel that we allow for no gap to come in between our relationship with Christ. And we have to understand, as God is showing me this, in marriages right now, make sure there's no gap for anyone or anything to separate the two of you in Jesus' name. Because what will happen is work will come into place and cause a gap. Children will come in and make a gap. Different things will come in and create a gap between the husband and the wife, where the husband and wife are not on one accord any longer. Then we have arguments out of nowhere, and they never take the time to investigate what happened. Or take the time to shut everything down and to say it's just you and I. We need to get back on one accord to be able to have that weekly check-in or that monthly check-in or even that daily check-in. So marriages, make sure there's no gap between the two of you and especially between you and God in Jesus' name. So the last time I was in this position, which means pulpit, talking to y'all. God had me share with you the title or the message, let's do this where the purpose was for us to make up in our minds to move forward with what God had told us to do, regardless of what stands in front of us. As I reflected, because as I delivered the message, there was a lot of things that God showed me in the moment. And I was like, I am impressed, God, (laughs) that you shared that through me. And it made sense in Jesus name. But as I reflected, I noticed that a lot of a lot of the points were pulled from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And it reads, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. During Let's Do This, God really showed me that we focus on the word go. On today, I want to shift the focus still in this scripture, but I want to focus on the word teach. So say with me, say teach. teach. Okay. This is going to be fun because I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, here we go. When we define the word teach, we see that it is strong G 3100. And the meaning is um, to, to be a disciple one, to follow his precepts and instructions, to make a disciple, to teach, to instruct. If we're to venture down into teaching, we'll see a strong G 3121, which means to impart instruction, instill doctrine into one, the thing taught or enjoined it, to explain or expound a thing, to teach one something. God needs us all to understand that being a teacher is not just restricted to someone with a title teacher. When it comes to the things of God, We are all called to teach a portion of it, the portion that we have that definitely showed the relationship we have with him and the experiences that we have lived. Because if you would just live life a little bit longer, you, you will learn something. The question is what we do with what we learn is what's going to make the difference. So long we look at titles and I hear apostle and other individuals talked about how it's not just on the apostle. It's not just on the, the, uh, the prophet. It's not just on the pastor. We have to understand the same thing is not just on the teachers to teach y'all. That's right. Here we go. This is why I love Pastor Kamika, because she teaches me a thing because I can learn too. <laughs> if you think about the educational system, what you can see a trend is the development path of children will base upon the development the educational level of the mother reason being is that when you think about culturally what happens children's first teachers are mothers because they came from the mother instructionally and, and culturally the children are around the mother the most which means the mother gets to teach the children set a lot of the tones of what the expectation will be yes the father is there the father is not absent However, culturally, what we see is that there's a lot of culture where the men will go out and be the hunter-gatherers, if you will. So the children's first lessons, when it comes to those foundational core pieces, come from mothers. And so we have to ensure when you look at what path the children will take or how far they go, you can simply also look at what education level did the mother get to. Notice I keep saying mother, right? Did I say the teacher? Did I give a title? I just said mother, right? Which means you can be a mother and be an apostle. You can be a mother and be a prophet. You can be a mother and just be a disciple and still have the ability to teach the next generation something that's a core value before the world gets their hands on them. That's right. So, when they walk in, you just made disciples of your own kids to walk into the atmosphere and to change the atmosphere, or at least nothing else, to hold up a standard and to be able to question the very things that are distilled onto them and to push back and say, That doesn't make sense with what I know. That doesn't make sense to what I understand here. It doesn't compute. I don't understand. So then they begin to be the spies in the promised land and bring it back to the home and says, this is what my pe- my uh, teacher is teaching me. This is what's going on, this, that, and the third. And now we've not just created disciples, but we created spies in the land so that we are able to go to the higher parts and be able to declare and decree what shall go forth because they gave us the intel that we may not have received because we're not able to be in those classrooms 24-7. So with that being the case, understand that your title of being A disciple is more than enough to be able to teach. That's right. Amen. That's right. Don't be afraid to teach. And the quickest way we try to cancel ourselves is saying, My testimony is not worthy. Let me help you out, baby. Your testimony means you went through a test. That's right. And you went through that test either with God or without God. And you're able to explain the difference between the two, which means that you're able to tell a youth who is trying to understand what it looks like to have a relationship with God. And you're able to speak from, baby, I did it with God and I did it without God. And here's the difference between the two. And I've decided in myself that I want to do this thing with God. And that, baby, I hope you don't have to go through the things I have to go through. But even if you have to go through it, I'm a living testimony that you will make it through at the end. So you're probably wondering, what does all of that got to do with the main scripture on today? I'm so glad you asked. Because as we enter Genesis 15 and 15, we see a group of brothers trying to determine how they're going to approach their brothers. And for the majority of them, their little brother um, who had ascended to be the second in command in Egypt. This is the same little brother that tried that they tried to kill, but chose to sell off in slavery because he was the favorite child. And he shared with them a couple of dreams about them bowing to him at some point in their life. They were like, mm, it ain't going to work. Let's kill him. now. Nah, let's sell him to slavery. Now, the little girl I'm talking about is Joseph, if you haven't followed along where I'm at. OK, so Joseph had already at this point already forgave his brothers for what they had done to him, because his perspective was that they did not send him through the path, but that it was a part of God's plans for his life. Joseph's brothers saw a little bit differently. So if we look at Genesis 50 verses 15 through 18, it reads, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph. I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, but they did evil to you. Now please forgive the transpass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when, yeah, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brother also went and fell down before his face, and they said, "Behold, we are your servants." Amen. Now the father that they're referring to is Jacob whose name was transitioned into Israel. So you have to understand that we're talking about the beginning of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? So this is at the foundational level of what God is trying to do for all the children of Israel. Okay? Now, when you look at that scripture, hopefully you picked up, like I did, that his brothers were afraid of what, that he was about to try to get his lick back from all they had done to him. And to this point, they're they pulling a "Remember what Daddy said" card on Joseph. <laughs> right. Did you know that they sent messengers to tell Joseph this? That's right. If you go back, they had just buried Israel, and all the brothers were together. And so, yes, even though Joseph is second in command, yes, he has a position, an office, and as Pasquimica lined up, you don't always get a um, you always get an audience with Joseph we just buried him you you just we were, toge- my, we were together and you sending messengers coming, like you said come yourself and you just you just saw me you just saw me oh that's why right. when jacob took the birthright from esau and he had to see esau again He was scared as well. So he set his whole family on the other side of the river and sent messengers before to see if it's cool if I'm going to die. So we're addressing a generational cursing or act that is happening through the lineage that Jacob did not break. At that time, he was Jacob. He hadn't transitioned to Israel just yet. So it occurred, it happened once again. People of God, if you're starting to notice something's happening again that was not favorable in your family, that is a generational curse and we need to start dealing with those things at the root in the name of Jesus. It It doesn't pop up for no reason. It pops up because it's time to address it in Jesus' name. And so we have to find a way to address it and break it off so it doesn't happen again and again and again and again. So in that, in them sending messengers, they were scared because they couldn't talk to their little brother because he was in a position. And they lied to themselves and said, well, he's in the command. Sure, he won't talk to his bros. This is after he done tricked them and told him, didn't show who he was, told him to go get Benjamin, come back, and then he revealed himself. Dun, dun, dun. This is after he sent them to go get dad and bring him into Egypt during the famine that was occurring. This is after they already know who he was, had an audience, and they still think he's untouchable. They think he's untouchable. He never said he was untouchable to them. And so what Joseph ended up having to do... In his response, he ended up providing three um, things that we need to take away as believers. Because for some of us, we are the Joseph of our families. We talk about being the chain breakers. We talk about being the ones who are going to set things in order and to do generational blessing. What ends up happening is that we end up going into a position with our family that they think that we're untouchable. That they can't come and share things with us. And they also try to make us their God. So. Joseph had to address what was happening and to let him know that I'm still your brother. That's right. Even though I hold a position, I'm still your brother. So when you look at Genesis 50 in verse 19, Joseph finally gets to talk. It's kind of like the first couple of verses. His brother got to talk and put their stuff out. And now he turns around and say, it's my turn now. So in verse 19, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? What you have to understand is that, as I mentioned, Joseph picked up that his brothers was afraid that he was about to avenge all the stuff he did. And like I mentioned earlier, Joseph already took into account, already said all that. But he also had to let them know that I'm not your God, because what you're thinking is happening is in God's hands, not in my hands, particularly. Understanding that he was in a position that God blessed him and designed for him to be in. But even in that position, he was still not God, he was not Pharaoh. He had a particular task that he needed to fulfill in that very position. Yes, he had authority. Yes, he can he can make laws in that position. Yes, his word had power. But the thing about it is that he the thing about it is that his brothers saw the authority he carried and wasn't just respectful of it, but they feared it for some random reason. When it was not alignment within the family, because Israel was still alive at the time. So he was still dead, and what dad said goes. Even when people don't understand for us, when we take a power position, we have to be in the position to use that time to point them back to God. We have to understand that as God is causing us to assume positions or to take mantles or to take different titles, there's still a humility that we must exhibit by still pointing it back to God to say, I didn't get here by myself. I got here because God made a way for me to get here. And I have a task I have to fulfill when I'm in this position. Let me make sure I'm clear about something. We are awesome, powerful people up in this place in the name of Jesus. We all have power to be able to do exceedingly abundantly about all we can ask or think because it says according to our power that worketh in us. But guess what? We ain't got all authority. Jesus Christ got all authority according to Matthew 28 and 18. That's right. There's still a point where we are still under the stewardship, under the leadership, under the kingship of God. That's right. We are kings and priests. I'm not coming against that. But understand, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the one that gives all. He's the one that know all. He's the one that see all. If I saw all, I would bet the power ball right now and try to get out of debt in Jesus' name. So I don't know all. I don't see all. I'm not everywhere and every place. Let's keep it real, because if I was able to know all, I would bet that number. But see, would, that be, would I be doing it to honor God or honor myself? So there's still restrictions that God will give us because he understands that this little flesh that we have will try to act up every once in a while and try to do something for its own granger. So that's why all of a sudden he doesn't give us everything we, we want. He gives us what we need to fulfill the very task that he has placed us in, and that, is, that also includes the positions That he placed us in. And so in doing that. It's understanding that our position. That we have. Needs to be affirmed. It needs to be a position. In which we declare and decree. That we state as a positive fact. That we clearly state. This is the position. That God has placed me in. But I am not your God. I am not your Lord and Savior. I am not even the source. I am a resource. Connected to the kingdom of God. Matthew 15, Matthew 5 and 14 through 16, it says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. If you think about either a light on a lampstand or you think about a lighthouse, it is a, a fixed positional item with the task to show people who are wayward where land is at so that they don't have an accident and able to get out of a dark area to get to land where there is safety. Oh, y'all not happy. Okay, what that means is for us is that there is a light inside of us to show people where there is a safe place for them to come to when they are in troubled water and not sure where to go, when things are cloudy, when things are murky, when things are messed up. There is a light that comes out of us to show them that there is a way they can go to find the freedom and the peace that they've been seeking for in their spirit but was not able to communicate it in the name of Jesus. But even being the lamp, Even being the light, the light that we're shining is not our light. It is the light of God that is inside of us that we have made space to shine out of our lives. How do we shine that light? Through the words that we speak, through the actions that we take, by the way we treat everyone, not just those who's in need, but those who are not in need. The way we treat our family, the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our children, the way we take care of even our vehicles, how accessible we are to fulfill the things God wants us to do. And do we not really? Realize that when we are the lamp and we are the light and we are the lighthouses and we're doing what God has called for us to do, it then creates the divine appointments to be able to speak to people who do not know a Lord and Savior who loves them, who has a purpose for them, who has things assigned to them, to be able to speak life into them when everyone else speaks curses over them. So we have to affirm our position and be able to have a full understanding of what that position is for. And for Joseph, he had to check his brothers, let them know. First of all, don't be afraid because I'm in a powerful position in Egypt. I'm not your God. I'm fulfilling the purpose and the position that God has given me. But in that position, we have to understand that if you're in a position, there's a purpose that has to be affirmed as well. And that's the second thing Joseph started to talk to his brothers about. When we look at Genesis 50 and 20, it says, "But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive." Now, I will repent right now in front of you. Said this scripture multiple times. What you meant for my evil, God turned it for my good. You meant it for my evil, God meant it for my good. There was a reason why He meant it for our good. Right. And you have to like finish the scripture to figure out, okay, why is it meant for my good? Like I get the, you meant to take me out. God kept me saved. But why did God keep Joseph? More importantly, why did God keep us? And for Joseph, his purpose was to be able to save many peoples alive. So, even though he affirmed his position, he also had to affirm his purpose, his God given purpose to his brothers because they did not understand what was going on. They didn't understand why Joseph was so favored. Why did he have these dreams? Because God was telling him something that was going to take place decades later. Because when he got the dreams, when he got the coat, he was only 17, he was a teenager. He didn't fulfill this till he was almost in his 30s. Close to his 40, almost 20 years. He went through all the things we uh, um, talk about with Joseph, all the prison sentence, all the false accusations, all the seeing people die, all the interpreting dreams. All that happened in 20 years to get to this point so that he will be in the position to talk about a famine that would hit a territory and to say the seven years of blessing, there's seven years of famine. So in the midst of the blessing season, let's make sure we have enough to make it through the seven years of famine. And then for Pharaoh to say, okay, that's what you got. Here, this is what Apostle does. You want to show you what Apostle does? That's scriptural. You come to Apostle saying, God showed me this, and this is what we should do. You know what Apostle says? You do it. That's exactly what Pharaoh said to Joseph. You got to envision all this that says what the cows and all that stuff means. You interpret it and said this is what it means. All right, well, since you said it, go get the strategy and make it happen. And... I will give you the position and resources and authority authority. to be able to carry out the very things you are given. I don't got that part. Well, if he gave you the interpretation, that means he's about to tell you the strategies. Mm -hmm. So begin to continue to listen. Don't just stop at the interpretation. Move forward into the strategies of what God is showing you for whatever area and territory that you're looking for. Because the strategy wasn't just for Joseph. It was for the entire land and people in Egypt. And so at that point, he finally realized what the purpose of everything was, what he was there for. In other words, if you're struggling trying to figure out what your purpose is, God said, keep pushing. Because in the midst of Joseph trying to figure out what the purpose was, he gained the skills. He went through the many tests. He went through various things so that when that moment popped up, he was fully equipped and knew how to use it when it got there. We're quick to say, God, equip me for what's going on. God, equipment me for what I'm about to walk into. God doesn't just want to give you the weapon. He also wants to give you the skills to be able to utilize when it's called upon. Mm-hmm. Realize David killed Goliath with something that he used to kill all the animals that tried to take out his sheep. That's it. He wasn't skillful with the armor. He wasn't skillful with the sword. He was skillful with the sling. How is that proof? He had five stones only had to use one. Skill you got to be. I got five. I got five if I, if I need it. And God was like, well, take him out with one. OK. Oh, I'm sorry. And then took his sword and killed him with his own weapon. <laughs> we'll continue. OK, so anywho, So affirming the purpose. So in this with Joseph, he had to affirm his purpose to his brothers. And in this moment, he had to show them the full transformation of I'm no longer just your little brother. I had to transition out. In this moment, I'm in one moment with death. I'm your little brother right now. There's an authority. There's a mantle that's fallen upon me that now I have to operate in. See, Jeremiah had to do the same thing when he was trying to talk back to God about what his purpose was. And God kept telling him, this is what you're going to do. And he's like, but I'm little. I'm sorry. I'm young. And God was like, I don't care. This is what you're going to do. And he had to walk that thing out. Nehemiah had to deal with two haters I'm sorry, two people in the land who went to God's love and figure out, hey man what you're doing? And he had to be able to disciple and discernment have discernment on what their full attention was and only told them the things they they needed to get out of his way because they were going to try to lift him up but his only purpose was to rebuild the walls. That's all he was sent to do. Which by the way in that story he got favor from a king who was talked about, saw that he was sad, had all right to kill him but instead was like, what is going on with you? Gave him the letter to get the wood and all the things he needs, save passage to get to the land, and then he had the skills and the ability to be able to rally up all the people in the land, have them build with a store on their side in case something went down and all he was was a cupbearer. That's right. That's right. Even David. David was anointed as a king and still had to serve the king that was there. He was anointed as a king as a teenager and still had to watch this king be tortured by spirits to where he came in and played the harp to soothe that king when he was already anointed as a king, Mm -hmm. which means he was there with the purpose of recalibrating everyone's mind on how a king is to act. And to be a king, I also have to show you how to serve. So as I serve this king who I know is going to leave, I'm going to take his face. I'm going to show you how to serve him. Even to the point where they had a moment where they could kill him. And David said, no. Why we can't kill him? Don't touch God's anointing. That's it. But, he, but aren't you anointed? It's not, it's not time yet. That's right. So in the midst of walking down the purpose, that's what David had to do. So what is it for us? We have to understand that the purpose that we have has to be affirmed. It has to be strengthened. It's going to be tested. It's going to be challenged. Even Jesus Christ was trying to get punked by the Pharisees and Sadducees of them trying to say what he can and can't do. He threw riddles back at them that they couldn't solve. To the point where they tried to kill him and tried to crucify him and he still resurrected on all of them. To show them that you fell into the plan that God has for the people. And I thank you for fulfilling your role. That's okay. Which goes to the last point, which is Joseph had to affirm the future. Verse 21, it says, now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, what's so interesting about this, Mark, is that he already told him in Genesis 45 and 7 that I'm here to, you know, keep a posterity for God. an right. inheritance, Right. And even in Genesis 45 and 11, Jalil, he told them, I want to make sure your kids are good. Yep. And they didn't believe him. No. He, they didn't believe him. So when they're back at Genesis 15, he's like, I got to say this again. Yes. Yep. You have to make it clear that the purpose that I was out for, to ensure there was a prosperity for God's people, that included Charles, in my family. See, one of the things that ends up happening, or can happen in families, is that someone goes off and do all these things that God told them to do, and all of a sudden the word gets to them saying, "You didn't left the family. You ain't about the family business anymore. Death, the death, the death. You done not went out there and act brand new. You, you ain't never coming back. You don't care about us anymore. You don't love your family anymore." When the purpose required them to leave. That's right. To make a safe place for when stuff goes down, there's a place for the family to go to, to recalibrate. If you don't believe me, Genesis 12 is a great place to look. God told Abram, not Abraham, Abram, to leave your, your, your family side, your, where your countryman's at. Go, go to a place. I'm gonna tell you when to stop. Now come on y'all If God told any of us To leave where we're at right now And just go west young man I'll tell you when to stop A little hard to swallow right But how's that any different Than than God saying Will you go to your corner Where that homeless man Is in the neighborhood right now And just make sure To have a hot meal Will you go To your grocery store And just pray Whoever comes, they come, but you pray. How is it any different? Because the real battle was God called Abram to leave where he was comfortable, to go into an area where he would be uncomfortable, to create comfortability. And that's what Joseph had to do. But in doing so, he had faith that if I do this, my family will be taken care of. They will be fine. My dad will be okay. My little brother Benjamin will be fine. They'll all be fine. In the midst of it, he had to forgive them. But he was able to affirm the future for his family, which we know Jesus came through. What is God trying to have us affirm regarding the future? We clearly know we're not going to be here to the to the end. So we are in a position where we have to start talking about the inheritance that we're leaving. Now, before people think, this is a money grab, no, I'm not talking money, but I am talking, what skills are we leaving for the next generation? What example are we showing them of what is capable and allowing for our ceiling to become their floor? What stories are we sharing with them? Are we only sharing them the story where everyone was liquored up? Are we sharing them the stories where everyone got saved? I was sharing them the stories and the transformational part of it that said this who I was. And you may hear this in the street, but this is who I am. And I'm willing to walk with you to show you how I got there so that all the things I went through, all the lesson I pour into you. But I don't just pour them into you as trauma. I pour them into you as lessons for you to learn from so you can pick a better path to give you the skills and ability to navigate. Or more importantly, I want to ensure you're able to understand what the word of God says and to walk with you through that journey. I want you to understand something about me. My uncle Daryl gave me my first Bible. The reason I remember it, because it was a red leather Bible. And for some reason, like the cover and the actual like Bible part was going the opposite direction. Like it was upside down. I never asked why I could have. I didn't want to. It was a Bible. He gave it to me. And that was the Bible that I started to journey on with God because I knew of God, but I did not know God. And even though when he gave me that Bible, it still was some time I had to go through before I actually knew him for myself. But he set the example for me to have that Bible. Now, my Uncle D, I love him. I appreciate him. He was definitely that uncle where we did stuff we weren't supposed to do. But, (laughs) but, as I mentioned, well, hell, my Uncle Herbert. My Uncle Herbert, whoo, I'm glad he's saved now, but whoo. Anyway, we ain't going to go there. Moving on. The point is, (laughs) the point is this. The point is this even though they were their uncles for me, they still played a role in me getting to this point. Just like how Joseph's brother played a role for him to get to where he needed to be. And so understand that as you are affirming the future, you are affirming your purpose, you are affirming your position, you will have family members and people come back to you in the position of wanting to be servants, which by the way, Joseph never acknowledged that you will be my servant. He didn't care. He told them, don't be afraid. God got us, don't be afraid. It was all for my purpose, don't be afraid. He comforted them. He never said, he never came into agreement with their statement of, you will be my servant. He didn't even, he did not even acknowledge that because the position that his brothers will occupy was never to be servant, just his brothers. The bowing part was only because I will be second in command and you will see the mantle that I've now gotten from dad. Because he said, now I'm going to make sure you're good where his dad used to do that. And he stepped into a position to say, I got us now. The things that I have, you now have access to it. So we got this. We are good. You're okay. And your children are okay. So all of it got to that point, but Joseph had to affirm steadfastly, not being moved, being firm, being resolute that this is what it was. And understand as I close and as you stand to your feet, God had to put it in a position where Joseph was resolute before his brothers were. Because when he saw his brothers again, he had no malice towards them to take them out. And he stood the course of all their questions, all their concerns, all their things that are there. So as you stand to your feet as a conclusion, God gave me a question to post to everyone. I know y'all like, man, we're doing so many questions. Good. Good. Awesome. Also, awesome. come to Bible study. and We can move those questions there. So. So here's the question God gave. The question is, are you willing for God to use your life to teach or train? Others About him Are you willing For God To use your life To teach And train others About him Joseph's life Was used For his brothers To see What God was able to do But he had to Fulfill a couple of things For that to be the case Joseph had to realize There was a vulnerability To be examined when you are in front of people and God is using your life to show others, there's vulnerability because everything is on front street. There's an openness that we have to have to for correction from God and learning in real time, which means some of these lessons we're going to learn while people are watching us. And that's what Joseph had to go through. Also, there has to be trust that there is still coverage in the exposure. See, everything is out. Everything's out in the open, but God is still able to still cover. To ensure that there's things between him and between the two of us, or you and God, you're able to address this and still have that coverage part there. There's accountability to accept the errors that are there. And also humility to train and teach others. So once again, the question is, are you willing for God to use your life to teach and train others about him? I want you to take that question and to use that throughout this week as you have conversation with God. To be able to determine where you stand with that. And I pray that as God walks you through that question and through that process, that whatever your answer is, that you will hear the strategies moving forward. So on today, we're going to open the altar for any prayer request whatsoever. If this message is linked up to you, you desire to give your life to Christ, your dedication, looking for a church home, whatever the case may be. Right. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you on today and we magnify your name. We give you the glory and honor and praise that is due your name. Father God, as you have called for us, Father God, to make uh, steadfast affirmations, affirming the purpose that you have given us, affirming the position that we reside in and affirming the future that you have called for us to speak life into. I pray, Father God, as we take these lessons and we take this scripture and we take this sermon, Father God, that we will continue to find the moments where we're able to affirm you in our lives. Allowing ourselves to be open so others can learn about you through our words, through our actions, through our deeds, through all the things you call for us to do. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity for your people to come into a place where they're able to praise you and to worship you freely, Father God, with no restriction, no hesitation, in the name of Jesus. And I pray for peace to fall upon your people like never before. I pray, Father God, for comfort where there's discomfort. I pray, Father God, that you will continue to speak to us in a way that only we are able to hear you, in a way in which the enemy cannot distort in the name of Jesus. We bind up every form of distraction the enemy may try to dispatch this week in the name of Jesus. We declare and decree, Father God, that we will hear your voice clearly than ever before. And Father God, we will continue to give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Online, God bless you. We love you. Y'all in the house, make sure you hug the people before you head out on today.